You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. And I'm uh, looking forward to the opportunity to preach. And uh, I was just going to say Central Baptist Church right here, where'd it go? And uh, all the teens left. I'm about to go over there as well. And I uh, love hearing Brother Nathan preach and love hearing Brother Dan preach. Tell you the truth, I like it when everybody else preaches. And, uh, but uh, I, I look forward to the opportunity to preach. I was telling Brother Nathan, as Brother Dan had mentioned last week, the different stages you go through when pastor asks you to preach. You know, the, I think he said denial and then shock and then getting sick and all that. I understand <laughs> most of those things. Uh, but for me, it's, uh, it's, I told Brother Nathan, it's, um, it's one thing to preach when pastor's not here. I know he's going to go back and listen, but it's another thing when he's here, because I'm not, not that I'm extra nervous, but I'd rather hear him preach. And I'm not just saying that, but I appreciate our pastor, appreciate his uh, influence in my life, uh, even before I came here. And uh, many times, Pastor, I remember calling you and asking, what do you think about this and all that? And uh, I normally did the opposite. No, I'm just joking, but <laughs> normally listen to what he said. And uh, even though he's family, I do look up to him and uh, thankful for his leadership in my life. I want to say thank you to our church family uh, for your faithfulness during this times. And I will say this, the drive-in service we had this last week, I'll say this. I don't know if anybody else was thinking it, but when we were talking about doing it several weeks ago in preparation for this last Sunday, I was just thinking, man, I really hope at least one person comes to the (laughs) drive-in service. And then they were calling for rain. I said, I hope more than one comes. And so I prayed, I said, Lord, please have 40 people come to the drive-in service, and uh, you are to be commended. 99 people, uh, Pastor, I think Brother Dan forgot to count you, so I think we had 100 people there at the service, and uh, thankful to our church uh, members being faithful to that, and uh, what a unique uh, memory to look back on, and I'll tell you what, uh, I have a different appreciation for being in the service, uh, in the building, and also with all of our church family. And I look forward to the day that all of our church family can be back with us in the building and uh, back to, uh, maybe not back to how it used to be, but even better uh, than what it used to be. Take your Bibles and let's go to Genesis chapter 2. That's really hard to find, but it's uh, one of the first books there, normally after the table of contents. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, and I'll get to it in just a second. Uh, But I want to just talk about one word tonight, and that word is perspective. Perspective. So when you leave here tonight, I hope you just remember that word. And uh, pastor said, go as long as you'd like. And I said, I'm just going to go till 7.30. It's 7.33. So if anybody wants to leave now, just leave with the word perspective, okay? And uh, so I don't see anybody getting up yet. But when we pray, that'll be your opportunity to to leave. Uh, But uh, I asked Miriam Webster, or I think that's her name, or uh, online, what perspective means. And it's a mental view or prospect, the interrelation in which a subject or its parts are mentally viewed. And uh, you don't have to go very far to find other people that have a different perspective than you. And that's not meaning that they have a bad or you have the right perspective. Uh, But I am thankful that not everybody has the same viewpoints on things. And again, I'm not talking about things that are obvious in the Word of God, that you can have a different opinion on things. Okay, the things that are uh, dogmatically uh, statements in the Bible, okay, we need to agree on those. Uh, but we don't have to go very far to find someone with different perspectives. I'm constantly asking other people, hey, what do you think of this? And, and not just because maybe I'm insecure about something, but I really want to know, what do you think about this? Uh, it's funny, uh, recently uh, something had come up uh, and uh, it was brought to my attention and it was asked, hey, what do you think about this? 
And uh, I was like, oh, I think it's, you know, I think everything's okay with it. And then as uh, the weeks went on, I started to hear some feedback from different things. I said, you know what? Maybe, uh, maybe I am wrong on my perspective on this. And uh, so I'm thankful for other perspectives. I'm extremely thankful uh, that my wife has different perspectives. And husbands, I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times I've been saved a headache uh, because my wife had a different perspective on things. And I'm not trying to be funny, uh, but she saved me from a lot of mess where I said, nope, this is how we're going to do it. I don't care about you know, what these people think. It's like, well, actually, you know, you probably should think about this a little <laughs> bit more. And I said, you know what, you're right. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like I can't do anything right. I don't know if there's anybody else like that. And uh, so the other day I asked my wife, I said, I just feel like I never can do anything right. I said, am I ever right? And I was so thankful. She said, yes. I was about to give her this great big hug, and she says, when you agree with me, that's when you're right. And uh, so I'm thankful for different perspectives, uh, even with, uh, with my wife, and you pray for me on that. Uh, I probably shouldn't have said that. No, but no matter where you go, there's going to be people that have different perspectives. Uh, turn on the news, a lot of different perspectives. Uh, you talk to just anywhere you go, a lot of different perspectives. And I'd like to take this moment, if Brother Russell is still up there, uh, I want to show some pictures here. Uh, that I drew myself here. Uh, there's one right there. But there's, uh, and I know those that are on the radio, they can't see this, so I'll try to explain it, but there's uh, different pictures here to show us different perspectives. Now, there's two pairs of animals here, and they're two different kinds, so I want to ask this. Uh, how many of you see a rabbit in this picture? How many can see two rabbits in this picture, okay? How many now see it, because I just said rabbit, okay? okay? How many see two ducks? Oh, wow. So that gets the majority vote right there. And uh, how many see both? How many can see both? Okay. How many can only see one? How many only see one? Okay. Well, I guess I don't need to point out where the other two are if you see them. Uh, but I, studies show that whatever hunting season it is, that's the animal that you see. Uh, I don't know if it's duck season or rabbit season. I know it's, no, it's duck season in Illinois right now. Let's go to the next picture. Oh, my. Okay. So in this picture, uh, again, the pictures that I drew, um, there is two uh, ladies in this picture. There's an older lady and there's a younger lady. Now, I'm not going to point it out yet, but how many of you see the older lady in this picture? Raise your hand. Okay. Put your hand down. How many see the younger lady? Okay, that's the majority vote right there. How many of you see both? How many can see both ladies? Okay, we're doing good. So I'll just point it out to some that maybe didn't see this. So for the older lady, okay, if this works. Oh, well, it works. This is cool. Um, so right here we have an eyeball for the older lady. This is her uh, mouth right here and her chin. She's looking this direction. This is her beautiful nose. And she has a beauty mark right there, otherwise known as a wart. Um, but then for the younger lady, again, thinking about perspectives here, for the younger lady, this is, uh, she's facing this direction. Her eye is facing this direction right here. This is her ear. This is her nose. Here's the chin right here. This is kind of a choker necklace, I guess you would call it. And, uh, of course, the back of her head right there. So that, there's different things that you can see there. Now how many see, how many can see both? You see both. Now how many still cannot see both? Okay, I did a bad job showing that. But, okay, <laughs> next picture. Next picture. Okay, here's perspective right here. So on the left side, again, we've probably seen this before, but you got someone stranded on an island, very excited to see somebody out there in a boat, and he yells out, boat, he's going to be rescued. And then you got the guy in the boat seeing somebody on land, and he's very excited, and he sees Land, he says land. So different perspectives there as well. Let's go to the next picture. The next picture. This, I, this, one, I did not, this one I did not draw. Uh, but maybe you've seen this before. Um, the famous picture, if you see gray or pink. Let me ask this. How many see 
a gray shoe. Don't worry about the laces or the stripe. How many see a gray shoe? Okay, put your hands down. How many see a pink shoe? Okay, put your hand down. Now, how many see both? How many can actually see both colors? Now, only way I can see both colors is if I kind of like blur my vision and cross my eyes, I can see both. I see pink, my wife sees gray. How many else see gray? Okay, how many see pink? Studies show that those with a higher IQ level do see the color pink. So uh, we'll go to the next picture, the next picture here. All right, here's the last one. So different perspectives. Maybe you've seen this one. Maybe you've seen this one before. But for those that are on the radio as well, we got a, a dad throwing his child up in the air. And uh, the very first picture we see, the dad is within reach. It's a pretty good toss, just enough to get the kid a little nervous. And uh, think, I'm glad he's doing that on a nice, soft surface there. Uh, but then the next picture, we got the child thinks he's about 10 feet in the air. And then, of course, the mother thinks he's 20 feet in the air. And I did not have room for the fourth picture, but the grandparents see, and the, the kid's not even in the picture anymore. Uh, but that's different perspectives there. I think that's all my my pictures I, that, I, uh, that I created. But uh, as you can see, a lot of us saw different things. A lot of us have different viewpoints on those perspectives. And uh, I'd like to go to uh, here, Genesis chapter 2, you're there. And we're going to look at some wrong perspectives that some had in the Word of God. We'll look at some right. Uh, and uh, you just hold on. I'm a little all over the place, as you already know. And if you, uh, thank you uh, for being here, our visitor tonight. But please come back when our pastor's preaching, okay? I trust that you will be blessed when he preaches. Uh, but here we have, uh, we're going to talk about wrong perspectives. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. It says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, familiar passage of Scripture. But we see here God's talking to Adam. He says, hey, you got everything in the garden except for that one tree. Okay, go to Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse number, verse number 1. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, this is a very important passage of Scripture. Uh, husbands, pay attention here. So uh, this is why when you ask your wife where she wants to eat, she never she says, I don't care. So you pick, and she says, nope, not there. And finally, you have to go through process of elimination, and uh, you, you find the one that she actually wanted. She says, yeah, let's go there. Because the last time the women picked to where to eat, we got kicked out of the garden. So they want to make sure it's our decision. But no, look at this. Look in Genesis chapter 2. God says to Adam, he says, hey, look, you can have everything except for this one tree. And then look what the devil says. He says, uh, uh, he says in verse number one here in Genesis 3, he said at the end there, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Look at this. The devil is twisting the perspective, getting her to look off of what God has given you all of this, just don't touch that one tree. And the devil says, look, you don't have everything. God held something back. He didn't give you everything. And uh, I like to even say that this could be uh, a principle of tithing. Uh, back in Genesis at creation, God says, hey, don't, 
uh, this is all yours, but give me that one, you know, I'll give it all to you, but give me that one part. And I think about just areas of my life. My life is his, but he says, hey, I'll let you have all this, but give me that one, that one area. But I see here, first of all, under the wrong perspectives, that Eve is listening to the wrong voices. She's listening to the wrong voice. And see, Satan was able to twist what God said, and Eve's perspective was changed. You know, it's, it's funny that uh, when somebody say, says something, and uh, people hear things differently. Um, a lot of times things can get uh, miscommunicated, even maybe through an email or a text message, because you can't hear the tone of somebody, uh, and uh, some things can get um, misinterpreted there. But it's funny how we, somebody can hear something. I'll use this as, as an example. I remember sitting in a, in a church service one time, and uh, the person, I think I've shared this before maybe, so I'm sorry if I have, uh, but I remember the person next to me slammed their Bible shut while the preacher was preaching and, uh, and, got, and put, folded their arms, and I just thought maybe he got cold. I don't know. Um, but anyways, he looked, he, I guess, so he got upset, and later he had said to me, he's like, it's like that preacher was just talking to me. I said, you know what? I hope there's never a day where I don't think the preacher, the Lord is talking to me. And uh, it's funny how you can leave those services, and, and maybe somebody got something out of it, somebody didn't. But there's different perspectives. So I can see how to have a wrong perspective. Just listen to the wrong voices. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25, please. I hope you don't mind turning to Scripture. Genesis 25 and verse 29. I'll begin to read uh, as you're turning there. It says, And Jacob sought pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. I wonder if Esau was a toddler here. I'm not so sure. Because it's almost every night when we're going to bed, all of a sudden my daughter is very hungry and thirsty at the point to die. And uh, honestly, I say, You'll be okay till morning. He says, Do you want me to die? Is what she says. And I said, You don't know the Bible story. You're, you know, you don't, you're not going to sell your birthright, are you? You are the firstborn. But, anyways, um, so I am at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? Verse 33, chapter 25. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage from lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Again, another familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, maybe you've heard dozens and scores of messages on this, but this bowl of stew, as I'm sure you've uh, have heard, that represents uh, instant gratification. It represents temporary pleasure. And it shows that it could satisfy the flesh. It's instant. It's alluring. I can, I can tell you many times that when I walk in uh, from work and my wife is uh, making something to eat, I didn't even know I was hungry for it. But I smelt it, and now I'm hungry for it. And uh, how about this? How many of you gone by maybe a fast food place? Uh, I'll tell you this one. I feel like Burger King like, does something on purpose. But if you drive by Burger King, you can smell it. You can smell it in your car. And uh, I, I'm not saying that that's a good decision to go and eat Burger King. Uh, but I would like to point out the fact, actually, that Burger King's uh, slogan is, have it your way. And so that is uh, point number two, not actually have it your way, but how to have a wrong perspective. Follow the world's philosophy. Yeah. Follow the world's philosophy. The world teaches us to just follow your heart. Yeah. And what's the Bible teach us? Don't listen to your heart. It's, it's, it's evil. It's deceitful. Right. And uh, the world says, look out for number one. Just do what you want to do. Bible, or the, the world says, live, you know, live for today, live, live like every day like it's your last. And I understand, I want to serve God every day like it could be my last. But we need to live for the eternal, not live for the instant gratification and the temporary pleasure. 
It's very alluring. It's, the aroma is intoxicating. And Burger King, uh, again, it says, have it your way. I think of Esau's perspective was on the present rather than thinking about the future. Yeah. I heard a preacher once say before that don't ever sacrifice the future on the altar of the immediate. Yeah. And uh, so many times I can tell you that I've made a decision, just not even thinking, just do this right now. And I rushed the decision and I regretted it. And uh, so how to have a wrong perspective, listen to the wrong voices, follow the world's philosophy. Take your Bibles, please, to another passage of Scripture here. Go to Numbers, Numbers 13. Numbers 13. And this really, this is kind of where the, um, the seed thought for this message came. It was actually in Brother Dan's Sunday School class. He talked about this a couple weeks ago and uh, grabbed my attention. And uh, that's the only time I read my Bibles in Sunday School class. No, I'm just messing. But Numbers 13, verse 30, it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's a good perspective there. Look at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. There's another different perspective there. And they brought up an evil report. If you look up evil report in the Greek, it's called fake news. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. You see, here I see, thirdly, underneath a wrong perspective, is they forgot what God brought them out of. If you want to have a wrong perspective, forget what God brought you out of. Start to take your focus on how God has spared you and how God showed you mercy and His salvation, and you'll start to have a wrong perspective like this world. See, they were focusing on the current issues, and they forgot how they got there in the first place. They forgot that this land was promised for them. They forgot about the parting of the Red Sea and how God gave them a cloud by day and a fire by night to guide them. Look at, uh, go, to, go back to Numbers 11, uh, verse number 4. It says this, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. Uh, Numbers 11, 4. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Verse 5, We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. It's funny, they're not remembering the bondage they were in. They're remembering some things that they thought was good. Verse number six, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Wait a minute. Manna was a miracle. Every day was a miracle that God provided for them. And they was like, hey, that's all we have. That's all we, that's all, that's all we get. They were forgetting about how God had provided for them. And they were taken for granted. I can't tell you how many times that I have taken uh, for granted daily provision in my life, daily health. You know, you know when I appreciate my health? When I'm sick. You know when I appreciate when my vehicle is running okay? When it's in the shop. Uh, and I'm thankful that uh, the Lord will bring those things to give us a different perspective. Can I tell you that COVID-19 has given me a different perspective on the Word of God? It's given me a different perspective on church. It's given me a different perspective on how to treat others. Uh, we are very fragile people. Uh, we're, we are very scared in how we can, and things can control us. And I want to be careful how I say this, but uh, COVID-19 has taught me to not listen to the, the wrong voices, but to listen to the right voice. God says, I'm not, giving you the, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear. That fear is not from God, it's from the devil. So you want to have a, a wrong perspective? Okay, let's, uh, let's listen to the wrong voices. Let's uh, look at point number two, because I forgot my own point here. What was number two? Someone listen, listen to the wrong voices, follow the world's philosophy. There we go. Thirdly, forget what God brought you out of. 
I'd like to take your attention here again to a wrong perspective to, to, I think we understand this, but I need to be reminded that a wrong perspective will lead to bad choices. And we can look at several examples in the Bible, and we, uh, we've looked at several already, but wrong perspectives lead to bad choice, choices, which then lead to unwanted consequences. And uh, we can choose our actions, but we can't choose our consequences. And then those, those, that, that wrong perspective, the bad choice, the bad consequences will affect those affect us and those closest around us. And uh, so I want to remind us that when you have that perspective, make sure we have a right perspective. I'll say this, uh, Pastor, I remember uh, many times playing basketball. And of course, your brother, my youth pastor, Joel Coburnett, was our, was our basketball coach. And uh, he would always teach us, he said, be mentally tough, be mentally tough. I can't tell you how many times I would make a mistake. I would take a bad shot, and then I thought I had to make up for it, and I'd go foul somebody. Or I would, uh, and I'd look over, and I'd look over at my coach, and he's just going like this. Mentally tough. You gotta be mentally tough. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you one thing uh, we need to be spiritually tough, mentally tough. When things come our way, and we gotta look at it from a right perspective. And I'd like to look at that next a right perspective. I think of an example, we won't turn there, you know the story, but I think about David and Goliath, how David went there and everybody else was scared and uh, they were just letting Goliath say whatever he wanted to say, do whatever he wanted to do. And what David says, is there not a cause? So what, 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 are we going to do something about this? He says, man, I'm going to go in the, in the name of the Lord and I'm going to take care of this problem. See, David had a right perspective on the issue. I think of Joseph uh, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. What did he say? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He had a right perspective in that area of sin. And as the, I get to the, the main uh, meat of the message here, can you take your Bibles to the, the final spot that we will be for the remainder of the message and go to Job, the book of Job, please. We'll go to Job chapter 2. For sake of time, I won't read all of the Scripture, but I want to turn your attention to uh, verse 9 and verse 10. And again, we know uh, as a little familiar lesson here of Job, uh, he was a perfect man. Doesn't mean he was perfect when he did, but it meant he was an all-around good guy. And uh, he, he hated evil. And uh, the, uh, the devil says, hey, no wonder, he, no wonder he loves you. No wonder he's a good Christian. He's got everything going for him. And so well, let me take away some of that stuff. And God said, spare his life. Uh, but go ahead. You can take some of those things away. Isn't that amazing? Anything that happens to you in your life, it had to go through God first. Amen. And so don't ever forget that. When something comes your way you don't agree with, God gave it to you because he knows that you can handle it with his help, with his help. Look at verse number 9, Job chapter 2. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity, curse God, and die? But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. Don't, don't say that to your wife, I guess unless she says verse 9 to you. But uh, what shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did Job sin not with his lips. So, hey, we, have all the, we expect all this good. Do we not expect evil to come along with it? Let's not curse God and die. Hey, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's some things that can change our perspective. If I can talk. Change our perspective. Number one, distractions. Number one, distractions. I see here that Job had a major distraction in his life. His best friend, his wife, gave up on God. And can I tell you, uh, Pastor, I know that I've been in church all my life, and I've been in ministry for just a couple of years, really, but I'm sure you can give m much more uh, testimonies on this, but I've seen uh, a spouse that gives up on God, and another spouse says, well, I'm just going to go along with it because I don't want to uh, lose my spouse, and that family is in ruins tonight. But a major distraction was his wife said, let's just curse God and die. That would be a very, very hard thing for me, a distraction there. 
I think of many examples in the Bible. I think of Samson, how he had some distractions in his life. And uh, you know the story, but in Judges 13, he said he saw a woman, and it pleased him. He says, I want her. And he says, you're not supposed to. He said, I don't care. I want her. Go get her for me. And we see later in, in the book of Judges how it destroyed his life. But Samson's distraction was a female. His distraction was a female. And uh, there's many distractions that come in our life, many different forms. I also see Judas in Matthew 26. We know the story of the disciple of Jesus Christ. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. I see that Judas' distraction was finances. Maybe that could be you today. I don't know what the distraction is. But so many people say, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to afford this. So I need to work every single second that I can. And don't get me wrong. I know there's people in our, our church that have to work because of their profession on days that church falls on. Uh, but there's, I'm talking about the ones that could adjust their schedule, that those that fill up their schedule with things that don't mean anything. I actually think that there's a song that I heard recently on the radio talking about you know, um, going to the ball field and how we, you know, it's okay to go to the ball field, but it's not okay to go to church. And I understand COVID-19, there's a little bit of different things going on right now. But it is amazing that I remember, Pastor, I've said this probably before, but I, I'm not an early riser. Uh, it's just, I guess I get that from my one of my parents, I probably shouldn't say who it is, uh, but I get that from somebody, and, uh, but I remember it's like, man, if it's basketball or if it's something I like to do when I was in high school, man, I was awake. If I knew we were going on vacation, I knew we were going to someplace fun, man, I was awake, but it was like, man, I got to go to school, I got to go to work, I'm not sure if I want to get up, um, but what I'm saying is perspective, things that are important to us, we make time for we make time for those things. Jesus' uh, distraction was finances. Samson was a female. I look at uh, Peter, another example, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. And uh, I like Peter. I can identify with Peter. And uh, he got in trouble a lot, put his foot in his mouth. Uh, he said things before he uh, thought about them, and I do that a lot. Uh, sometimes I'll say something, I said, I don't know if I thought about that. And if I did, it sounded a whole lot better in my head before I said it. <laughs> But Matthew 14, Peter stepped out into the water. We know the story, and he was going towards Jesus Christ, and he took his eyes off of Jesus. His perspective changed. What caused him to change his perspective? Well, it was a, a distraction called fear. Yeah. And I can I tell you something? I, I, I do have fear. And I just said God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but I have fear in my life. Yeah. And I think, man, I don't know how this situation's going to work out. I don't understand why this is happening. But I've got to remember to keep my eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Keep that perspective. Yeah. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Some things that change our perspective, distractions. Go uh, look at verse number 11 here in Job. Actually, I'm sorry, let's go to uh, Job chapter 3, look at verse number 2. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish when I was born, and the night in which it was said, There is a man-child conceived. Uh, for sake of time, I didn't read the other voices here, but I, or the verses here, but I see that not only distractions, but here, number 2, that can change our perspective, disappointments. Disappointments can change our perspective. And uh, you think about just the verses before that leading up to Job chapter 3. It said that the, his friends were there. And for seven days, seven nights, they didn't speak a single word. Uh, maybe it's because they didn't know what to say, but he said that he, was, he had so much grief, he, didn't, he just he couldn't, he couldn't talk. And I know that there's some heavy hearts. There's some people in here that are dealing with grief. I heard a preacher once say before that you might never get over it, but you can get through it with Jesus Christ. You can get through that grief. And I think about here the very, uh, a big disappointment in his life. He lost his family, lost everything uh, that is his possessions, lost his wife. And now I see here that he's got some disappointments in his life. Another example in the Bible that I would look at would be John the Baptist. Uh, I'll read the scripture, but one verse here in Luke 7, 19, it says, And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Wait a minute. 
John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus Christ, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the man who preached about Jesus Christ, the one who baptized Jesus Christ, he's now saying, hey, can you go, because uh, he's in jail, waiting to get his head cut off. He says, can you go ask Jesus, are you truly Jesus Christ? Are you the one that we've been talking about, or do we need to look for another? And, uh, man, I find that hard to believe that John the Baptist, man, he's, he's, he's getting distracted by some of the disappointments that he's in. I see that John the Baptist lost his life. He lost his life. I think, of, um, I think about the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. I know, I know it's a, a story, but I think about the father of the prodigal son, how he lost his child. And I think about the many disappointments they had each and every day. And as you know the story that when he saw his son finally come, he ran and he met him. You've heard it before, I'm sure. But that, what does that tell you? He was looking each and every day for his son. I could just imagine every single night after dinner, maybe he got a, maybe he got a cup of coffee. I don't know. And he went out there on that porch and he just looked in the sun and says, I wonder if my son's coming home right now. And he went to bed with a disappointment. Next morning, hopefully today my son will come back. And I'm sure days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, maybe months into years. But when he finally came back, again, you know the end of the story, but there was many days, many days of disappointments. I think of another example is the, in John chapter 5. Actually, can you go here? Let's, I'm sorry, I told you, keep your place there in Job, but go to John chapter 5 here. I won't read all the verses here, but this is about the man at the pool of Bethesda. Look at verse number 5 in John 5. It says, And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time, in that case he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole? The intimate man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, uh, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Look at this. Look at this uh, uh, verse 7 there. And the infant man answered him, Sir, I have no man. Now, it said he had the infirmities for 38 years. Um, that's a long time to have that infirmity. And then to each, each time that the, that pool was stirred by that angel once a year to think, man, maybe I'm going to make it this time. And each time, disappointment after disappointment, another year I'm going to have to deal with this. But I love that he says, sir, I have no man. And Jesus steps up and says, I'll be that man. I'll be that man. But I see here that the, the man at the pool at Bethesda, he lost his family. Where was his family and friends to help him? Disappointments in his life. And, uh, but he still had faith. He said, I'm going to try to get there one of these times. He was still there. Uh, he said he couldn't move. Well, he was still there. Uh, but the man in pool of Bethesda, he lost his family. Not only distractions and disappointments can change our perspective. Thirdly, delays can change our perspective. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait for anything. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a sick world we live in that you can order something online and it's there within a day or two. And uh, where you got that internet that uh, you touch on your phone, boom, it's there. And you can talk on the phone and instantly someone on the other side of the world is talking to you. There's a lot of fast things that we can do. And I tell you what, when the internet's a little slower or my phone service is not as good, man, I get frustrated. Uh, when I have to wait in that drive through line a little bit longer than I think I should, and, uh, especially if it's at Chick-fil-A, then I give uh, Mark and Nathaniel a hard time. Why am I waiting this long? Uh, but as, I don't like waiting for stuff. And, uh, and uh, I t maybe it's just my nature, uh, but I don't like being behind a slow person. And you know what? Neither does my wife. And you know how I found this out was one time I was driving with Reagan, and she, we were driving behind a slow person, and she said, move out of the way, Junior. 
I said, Reagan, where did you hear that? She said, Mom says it all the time. And uh, anyways, there's strike number two. I shouldn't have said that. But uh, I don't like delays. Nobody likes delays in our life. Go to Job 42. Go back to Job. Let's go to Job chapter 42. And we're going to read some verses here. And again, we know all the things that Job went through. And there was about a year of time there where all those bad things happened. But we go to Job 42. And many years have passed. And we see that, uh, look at verse... um, and look here, look at, verse, look, look at verse 12, Job 42, verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And begins to list off all the things that the Lord doubled, gave him a double portion on. I think about how Job may, maybe would have never experienced that if he wouldn't have stayed faithful. Amen. If his perspective, he would allow those disappointments and those distractions and the delays to get his perspective off of Jesus Christ. I don't know if we would have had Job 42 to be able to read that. I think of many examples in the Bible. Joseph, uh, in Genesis 37, and, and then we read it just five chapters later when he has his first dream, and, and, uh, or I believe it's five chapters later, but he has his first dream, and then it takes 15 years for that dream to be fulfilled. And uh, as I get a little older, uh, some of those numbers don't seem as long. I remember when I was in eighth grade uh, when I liked uh, my wife-to-be, and she uh, still doesn't like me to this day, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I said, five years before we can date, because we couldn't date in high school. Five years. Man, that seemed like a lifetime to wait five years. And uh, now that we have three kids, and five years has gone by fast, and you've heard me say it before, but we are praying for the rapture uh, to come soon. Um, And uh, I mean that in more ways than one. But Joseph waited 15 years for that to come true. David, from the time that he was anointed king to the time that he sat on the throne, 15 years as well. And uh, I don't know about you, but if I was told I was going to be king, I was like, man, this is great. Can I be king right now? You had to wait 15 years, and there's some things that took, had to take place, and that could have been a little delay in his life. I think about Lazarus, and he was dead three days. I would say that was a delay, but what did the Lord do? He, he raised him from the dead, and uh, the Lord doesn't see that as a delay. The Lord sees that as a way that he can work a miracle. And I like to say, as we get close to closing here, those distractions in our life, but we need to destroy the distractions in our life. The things that are getting our perspective off, maybe it's the news, maybe it's sports. It's different for everybody, but there's a distraction in your life that is keeping your eyes, or keeping your eyes to be on Jesus, uh, keeping it from being on Jesus. There's a distraction. Maybe it's a busy schedule. Maybe it's a, a, an open schedule. Uh, maybe you have so much time you don't know what to do with it. If, you, if that is you, I have three little ones that need your attention, and I will talk to you after the service. But we need to destroy the distractions in our life. What is it in your life that there's distracting you, keeping your eyes? Maybe it's fear. Uh, maybe there's many things in your life that's distracting you. It's changing your perspective of your Heavenly Father. Secondly, I want to say that disappointments do not mean defeat in your life. Disappointments are going to come, but it does not mean that you're defeated. We live on the winning side, and it's because of Jesus Christ. Hey, those disappointments are going to come. Job said, hey, we got good. Do we not expect evil to come with? It's going to come. Disappointments are going to come. But Job 42 is also coming. Job chapter 42. Disappointments does not mean defeat in your life. Delays, I want to say this thirdly, delays are not always delays. They're oftentimes detours for your life. I think about many times that I've, uh, we traveled uh, the country. I remember uh, many times, even with Brother Nathan, traveling from Illinois to California several times. Uh, some great memories there. But I remember uh, just going back and forth from here in Connecticut, and I did not like going through Washington, D.C., 
I did not like going through uh, New York City. That was another one. So I always tried to see if we can avoid that. But I remember one time, I said, okay, we're going to find an alternate route. And so I had wrote down the alternate route, and I'm, I'm good. We're on the right way. And for some reason, we thought, Pastor, it'd be better to leave in the middle of the night when the kids were leaving, when you didn't know exactly which way you were going. Uh, but we had it written down, so we were okay. And all of a sudden, a detour came. And I said, uh, I didn't have this written on my plans here uh, to follow this detour, but I had to. I had to go on that detour, and all of a sudden, I find myself an hour and a half off course, not figuring out how to, uh, to get back on track. So I opened up the Word of God. No, I opened up my GPS. And uh, GPS said, get me back on track, please. But hey, how many times in my life, I, I have my plan written down that I think that I need to do, and a detour comes. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Well, then I need to go to the Word of God and says, what do I need to do with this? So maybe you're going through something in your life that says, there's a delay. I don't understand the timing of this. I don't understand why this hasn't happened or why it's, it seems to keep happening. Maybe I don't, there's a delay, but hey, it's a detour. I, I can tell you how many times that I felt like uh, later that the Lord maybe spared me, even on just a, a, a trip that we've gone on, spared me from an accident because he made me go a different route. But the delays are not always detours in our life. And I want to just say as a challenge as we close here, but let's get a right perspective, church family. Let's get a right perspective. COVID-19 can change your perspective in many different ways. The world can change your perspective. People around you can change your perspective. But let's make sure that our perspective always lines up with the Word of God. When you start to look through here, start to read and search the Scriptures, things become a little more clear. And uh, maybe you say, I don't understand everything. Well, the more you read it, the more you'll understand. Let's get a right perspective, first of all, in the area of our sin in the area of our sin, we need to see sin like God sees it. God couldn't even look on His Son when He became sin for us. He had to turn His back. And how many times, church family, do I get as close as I can to the thing that put Him on the cross and He died for me? And I start to say, it's okay, it's all right. The devil says, hey, it's okay, you've been doing good. You can, you can, have, uh, you can, you can dabble into this sin or this worry or you could do this. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, Lord, I, I don't want to do that. Now, I want, I, help me get through this. I need to have a right perspective. I need to see that the sin uh, that so easily beset us, it's, it stinks in the nostrils of God. We need to see it like God sees it. Let's get a right perspective, church family, in the area of our service. In the area of our service. Uh, Romans 12.1 uh, is my life verse, but in there it says your reasonable service. It's, uh, it's, it's my reasonable service to serve God. And you could serve God in ministry, you can serve God out of, uh, in a secular job, wherever you're at. God can use you where you are at. Are we doing it for God's glory? Are we serving for God's glory? Are we serving for our own glory? Are we trying to get attention on ourselves? How, uh, let's get a right perspective in the area of our sin and to the area of our service. How about this? Thirdly, let's get a right perspective in the area of our storms. In the area of our storms, let's not throw Peter uh, out of the boat literally, but uh, he started to look at things around him, and I don't fault him for that. Uh, and also, I think you've heard it before, but Peter's the only one that got out of the boat. He was the only one that got to experience that. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and said, Lord, save me, the Lord caught him and saved him and said, hey, why did you doubt me? You know, why did you doubt me? And I love when he gets back into the boat, the storm stops. And uh, what a wonderful picture of salvation there. Are we keeping our eyes on Jesus or are we allowing the waves and the wind to take our eyes off of Jesus? Let's get a right perspective in the area of our sin, in the area of our service, in the area of our storms. And lastly, I want to say this. It's already been mentioned tonight and it's up there on the screen. But let's get a right perspective in the area of souls. Area of souls. When you start to look at people everywhere you go, that people that do not know the hope that you have 
and how selfish we are sometimes when we're in a hurry and we're at the grocery store and the Lord pricks our heart to give a track to that lady at the cashier or the, that gentleman at the cashier uh, register there. I'm in a hurry. I don't want to hold up the line. Let's make sure that we are soul conscious. And uh, even in 2021, let's make sure we're still soul conscious. How to be sure we have a right perspective. I'll just say as I end, trust God and obey his word. I remember being in Bible college. I've shared it before. I've shared it recently in a Sunday school class. But pastor, I remember being in Bible college and I had submitted a question on a piece of paper uh, to a teacher that they were doing in this class. I didn't really want anybody to know that I was asking the question. I was thankful for the opportunity. And I said, what do you do? What do you do when you just get weary? What do you do when your Bible reading maybe gets stale? What do you do when that manna starts to just seem stale? What, 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 I was looking for maybe a passage of scripture that he had gone to, uh, maybe a, an encouraging book, someone that he called, say, can I have that number to call that person just to be encouraged? You know what he did? And I've shared it with many of you, but he just starts singing, trust, uh, uh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And then he went to the next question. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want a better answer. You know what? That's stuck with me to this day. That when my perspective starts to get focused on the earthly things, man, I need to trust God and obey. And all of a sudden, that perspective thinks about the eternal things. And so I want to challenge us tonight. What's your perspective? Let's make sure it's a right perspective. How do you do that? Trust God and obey His word. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.